Well, hello, and welcome to this podcast. Oof, you know, we're in our 20s now, aren't we, in this podcast, and thank you for joining me on the journey. It's been brilliant. When I started this, you know, at the start of COVID times, maybe a little bit before, I can't remember. I'm sure somebody can look back through and remind me when this was first done. I never expected me to be rattling these off with such frequency. And as I've said before, and I'm going to say again now, there's never a structure to these podcasts and they're not sponsored in any way and there's no affiliation to any brands in any way. Unless I state there is, you know. So, anyhow, this podcast is a is a little different, you know. It's, a, it's about paddling, generally. And... It's about experiences and stuff like that. But I don't have a coffee on me. Because I've just drunk it while I've been looking for my phone. And I'm not going to have another one. Because I'll probably have to stop it, stop recording and go to the toilet and come back if I have two coffees so close together at my age. But anyway, let's see. Let's see how this works. What I thought I'd do is I'd talk about today... And what's happened today with me, and why they sort of triggered this podcast. So at half past eight this morning, I queued up with military precision outside Venue Cymru. In Llandidno. Venue Cymru that was adapted into a Nightingale hospital uh, at the start of Covid times, and is now a vaccination hub. And because of the work I'm doing at the moment, I'm allowed to get myself a vaccine. So I queued up with military precision, walked through the corridors into, I guess, the arena, for want of a better word, the staging area for bands and, you know, multi-occupancy, grand finales and plays and all that stuff. But now that's like a hospital ward with arrows and people in masks and people with jabby-jabby stab-stab needles and... And all that. And while I was getting my jab and thinking uh, in the time that you have to sit down afterwards and thinking about how our lives have all changed because of COVID, I also thought about Venue Cymru and how its life has changed. And it's gone from obviously being a place of amazing spectaculars, you know, of bands. Like my, well, the Saw Doctors, you know, they play there. Or theatre productions. To now being something that it would, could never have been envisaged when it was first designed. And it got me thinking about how this relates to kayaking. And my mind flipped to Crystal Palace. You know, the exhibition building down London way. You know, Victorian-esque. Well, it's Victorian, isn't it, for a start off? Victorian, you know, the place <coughs> that holds expedition, you know, exhibitions and all that sort of stuff. But when I first started kayaking, it was also the place that held the canoe exhibition, for want of a better word. It was the place where once a year... I say one of the better, well, it was called the Canoe Exhibition, I'm pretty sure. Now my burns just clicked into gear. Anyway, where once a year, people would meet up in a building 
to promote access to rivers, access to lakes, adventure, slaloms, training, competitive sports, and all that sort of stuff. Which is a bit strange, isn't it? You know, you go into a a building to promote the use of recreation and adventure, and it's a bit weird. But look, once a year, you'd go down there, and you'd there was a lot of trade stands, and there was also the swimming pools. And in the swimming pools, you would have polo competitions, the national finals, if I remember correctly. And there was slalom in the swimming pool. Squirt boating was, was shown in the diving pool, if I remember rightly. And I, I can't remember if there was like rolling competitions, I'm pretty sure. There was rolling competitions there as well, I'm sure. Chill, Colin Hill, who's now a big swimmer. Uh, which is the irony, because obviously he does a lot of rules, and when I was a kid, I used to watch him on Blue Peter or whatever it was. And uh, I think there was rolling competitions as well. But once a year, you know, you'd, you'd go to this event, and I remember my first time going to this event with my dad. And we set off in the early, early hours of the morning from Yorkshire to, to drive south. And my dad wasn't a paddler. He had very little interest in kayaking. You know, when he was a scout, he told me that he'd fell out of his kayak on the first time he ever tried to sit in it on the canal. But he took me, him and my mum used to take me around places. And, you know, I'm sure they got bored of my talk about which boat I wanted and which buoyancy aid or which helmet. I mean, they get bored of me now. I'm not, you know, my mum gets bored of me talking about this stuff now, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, 30 years ago... It was probably really boring for my dad. Anyway, we, we set off driving and we drive south. Drive through the place of steel, through Sheffield, and we're going south into London. It's a really good bonding for me and my dad, isn't it? And I remember pulling in to Crystal Palace, all the cars parked up, some with roof racks, some without, minibuses. Some have got boats on, some haven't. Paying the money and stepping through the door. Wow. A mass of people. Strolling along stands. People watching over the pools. The excitement of a young teenage boy who's read about all these products in magazines. Canoeist magazine. Canoe Focus magazine. Reading about these products, the ifs and the might have beens. Reading about trips and you're walking around and you're bumping into paddlers that you've seen in articles. Or you've heard about, maybe in Paddles Up, when Paddles Up was on TV. Now, I think these days, we don't, we, we don't have those sort of shows. I know we've got Messer over in Europe, uh, but that's a, that's a trade show. We don't have that sort of experience as a as a general paddler where you walk around and you can go to a stand of perception for example and you can chat to people that work at perception and ask about designs and then you go to the next stand and it's piranha and you can speak to the designers at piranha and the, the people that work there and that are paddlers and you can go to the next one excuse me and so on and so on you can go from brand to brand to brand and you can talk to them all within the same day within the same hour or 
the same 10 minutes if they're not very talkative, I guess. And you can go from place to place, and you don't have that anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. And now we tend to get all our information off the internet. Off, you know, influencers perhaps. Off people who give us reviews. Rightly or wrongly, you know, we take those reviews on board. But I remember, you know, Crystal Palace, the first time there with my dad, walking round, and I've saved some money from a job, you know, like a little schoolboy job in my pocket, and I'm itching to spend it. I can remember I bought two HF dry bags, one of which I've still got. It's red with a yellow bomb. The blue one died long ago. Uh, I ended up snapping the, the male-female buckle off the top. But I've still got the red one somewhere. And I remember walking around, and you'd go in into, uh, you'd go for, say, the big hall, where all the, the leading brands were, perhaps. And then as you went into the side rooms and the side halls, you'd get smaller brands and maybe independent shops. People maybe trying to undercut each other. And I'm sure a lot of people played the same game. When it got to the end of the Sunday... You'd go around to the little independent shops and you'd try and haggle them down on prices. Maybe like you would at an antiques fair or a car boot sale. You know, and you'd be saying, oh, I'll buy that paddle off you. You don't want to take that back on your van, do you? you know, I'll, give it, I'll buy it off you for half price or whatever. Oh, if I've got this much money, how much, what can I buy off your stand? And, you know, as a teenager, you'd walk out of the show with, you know, more stickers than you, you need and more posters than you ever need. And it's lovely to walk round. I remember the, at the first show I went to bumping into Green Slime. Of Green Slime throwbags in his sweatshop and Susie's sweatshop. Obviously me and Slime are, are friends now. I remember bumping into Slime tell it, talking to me about these throw lines, about rescue. I think I might about a, a knife off him. If, uh, I can't quite remember. But that experience with my dad of being immersed in that world. Of drinking vending machine coffee. Because these are back in the days when British people weren't that bothered about what sort of coffee, we were drinking vending machine, or a flask, and there'd be groups of people sitting on the floor, you know, having little picnics. And there'd be people walking around with kayaks on the shoulders. And these are back in the days when the dancer was king. So there's their walker, they bought a boat off the stand, and they're walking around with it on the shoulder to get back to their car, and they're wiping out people as they walk in, you know. But it felt magical. It just felt magical to be immersed in all this product and all these people that were involved in the, the evolution, I guess, of the sport, looking back. People that had designed that life jacket, that bonus unit. People that had designed that paddle. I remember going to Ainsworth Paddles at the time. And Ainsworth Paddles always had a huge part of their stand dedicated to seconds. Where paddles were 20, 30, 40 pounds. Because there were seconds, there was a blemish on them. Piranha also, I believe, they had like a blemish section. Um, Palm, you could buy, say, the German slalom kit from Palm where they'd overmade and the German team didn't need it, so you could buy it. You know, just amazing stuff like that. But anyway, we would pot around and it was a, a lovely experience, you know. I'm, I'm sort of reminiscing and as we know nostalgia is not what it used to be 
And as the years moved on, we went down with the canoe club that I joined. And we'd set off in the early hours again, maybe in a minibus with excited teenagers and older adults in the club that are there to, going to get a deal on their new boat. And we, again, we'd drive down from Yorkshire to Crystal Palace. One year, I think, the, the event moved to Sheffield uh, due to renovations at Crystal Palace. And then it went back to Palace again. Sheffield was easy. We could jump on the train and get down. But, you know, going down to... And it was nice. You potted around. This is before mobile phones. And you'd spend maybe hours trying to find your friends... You know, you get separated and you have to walk around trying to bump into your mates again. And that was, you know, that was all part of the adventure, wasn't it? And I, I look back on those days of innocence, really, you know. Like you've got money in your pocket that you, you're going to spend. You know you're going to spend it as a teenager, you know. You're not going to save it, are you? And what you're coming back with, you know, you don't really think about how much space it's going to take up on that club minibus. Or maybe the club chairman's gone down or secretary or whoever and they've bought 50 new paddles and 25 new spray decks and you know you're driving back up the m1 and people are sat there with helmets on the laps and life jackets on the laps and paddles under the seats rattling away somebody's too excited and they've been sick over the mate at the back and you've eaten too many sweets too much fizzy pop and then one year and this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people, you know, because I'm not, you know, known as a whitewater kayaker. But one year, my canoe club got into the national canoe polo finals, and I was goalkeeper, goalkeeper in the team, under 18s, if I remember rightly. Under yeah, under 18s, we got into the national final, and we drove down in a in a minibus with some hired polo boats. Because we were just paddling in aquabats, a pam aquabats. And we'd got through to the national finals down at Crystal Palace. So we borrowed some PH Revenges in plastic. I think one or two of us were having Piranha RX 300s. Because we'd managed to borrow them as well. And this was a big thing for, for a small club. I mean, Pennine Canoe Club now is, you know nationally recognised as a polo club and it's brilliant but this was in the early days and I was white I had, I had a topo you know I wasn't a polo player I was a you know I was a white water wannabe but I did enjoy playing polo I enjoyed being able to throw the ball from the halfway line into the goal of the opposition I remember that and playing polo taught me how to hand roll I remember we drove down on a Friday night and one of the one of the uh, Club members had arranged for us to stay over at Putney Sailing Club or Putney Boat Club. I forget the exact name of it. And we got there and there was no real accommodation. There was sort of a common a kitchen and like a common area. And we're all teenage lads, you know, just coming of age. A little bit of independence, you know, at that age, you know. You're not as independent as an adult, but you're trying to push those boundaries, you know. Maybe drinking Mad Dog 2020, you know, down the park on a Friday night. Because you're not quite old enough to go to the pub. And maybe, you know, when you do go to the pub, you're getting, you know, whichever mate looks the oldest, you know, 
is as he the one with the leather jacket and the greasy hair. Yeah, he looks a bit older than than the rest of it. He's the one that can try and buy the pints, you know. And you know, who's got? Who, does anybody want to buy fags? You know, a couple of lads wanted to smoke, and you know, I'm sure they still smoke now. But you know, trying to hide the fags from the parents. Uh, we all do those teenage things, don't we? But we go anyway. We go to Putney Boat Club. And I think we have probably a takeaway pizza that night and we sit in there and people are getting excited. There's probably quite a lot of underage drinking. I'm not a drinker, I never have been. But there's probably quite a lot of underage drinking going on and some idiotic flirting, I would imagine, with the female members of the club, the young teenage girls and young teenage guys. Probably, you know, if there was a fly on the wall that could record this and stick it on TV, it'd be a cringe fest, you know. Makes, you know, first date TV shows or whatever they're called, you know, look like the height of sophistication. And in the morning we get up blurry-eyed, creased, in, in clothes creased because we've slept in them and we've slept on the floor of this communal hall. Uncomfortably, I would imagine. I can't really remember much about the night. I remember that we probably had some Happy Mondays on. Because I'm just looking at images, you know, in my, in, my, in my mind. I mean, I've got, I've still got the same hairstyle now. But a lot of people, had, a lot of the lads had those sort of curtains. So this is like early 90s, because, you know, we've got the curtain haircut and waistcoats are trendy. Okay, I'm going to rephrase that we've got curtain haircuts and people are wearing waistcoats. And we've got quite a lot of acne between us. But anyway, I just, I don't remember the night. I remember getting to Crystal Palace and trying to get organised for the event. And one of the lads has left his life jacket, Boise, back at the boathouse. And we're there, we're playing our first game on this pitch. And the pool is massive. This is Crystal Palace. It's an international-sized pool. It's huge. And we're playing a team that we'd heard. Our first match, we're playing a team that we'd heard about for, you know, years. You know, in sort of the myth of Canupola. And they trounce us. Absolutely obliterate us. And our next game, and so on and so on. We, we didn't do very well. We, we, I don't think we finished bottom, but we were pretty close to the bottom of the table. And then we spent the rest of the day, you know, looking at product and looking at the posh... Canoe polo boats, and I was probably busy looking at some Schlegel Alpine paddles and a full face helmet made by Roma. Uh, oh, some the HF Classic Boinsaid, perhaps. I was probably getting all excited about that kind of stuff. And it, a two day event, and on the drive back home, we ran out of fuel on the M1 and, and all that stuff, you know, all the things that make those trips memorable. Now, why am I talking about this stuff? I'm talking about it because I'm going to do a little product placement for a product I've just bought. And it's something that would have sort of been hidden in one of those back rooms at the, you know, at the exhibition, you know. And it's an independent guy. It's the product called Wild Sky, and they're on eBay. Wild Sky, uh, and they're also on Instagram, which is where I first came across them. Not that I'm on social media much anymore, but I first came across one. And this this young lad, he makes backpacking products, ultralight backpacking products, wallets, bags, 
that sort of stuff. And he makes them out of Cuban fibre. Oh, <laughs> if you guys know what Cuban fibre is, you know why I've just got all excited about it. Cuban fibre is like this magical ultralight material. Sort of rip resistant and... Just gets me all excited, you know. Like page 48 of the case catalogue when you're 12. But Cuban fibre, oh, it makes this, anyway, it makes this Cuban fibre products. And I've just ordered off him, a, uh, like this, uh, not a roll mat, but it's like an under mat for expeditions. It's, it's useful to like backpack, it's like a foil mat. And it'll be perfect for like when I can get out and do multi-day kayaking trips again, because it's super light. You can scrunch it up. It offers no in no sort of padding because it's just a, just a like a tarp, but you can put your mat on top and it'll increase the R rating of your mattress. And what you know, Wild Sky would have been tucked away in one of those cheap stands in the show, perhaps next to the fire exit or the toilet or the you know the hot dog van or something. And the magic of finding a product like that at somewhere like Palace. Crystal Palace, you know, got my heart all excited because it's like going into an Aladdin's cave and you're finding this magic and you don't think anybody else has seen it. On my first trip down with my dad, I bought some fleece salad pets that were teal and purple. I only got rid of them last year. And I remember the, the excitement of buying these fleecy salad pets. Small cottage industry. On my second trip, I bought a Nookie throw line. When Nookie was a small cottage industry and Bill Matos was probably hand-making these. And I'm sure if Bill's listening to this podcast, he'll tell me that he hand-made them. Because I can imagine he did, you know. I, a couple of us bought these and they had a carabiner, like sewn on the side. Great lines, you know, really good lines. Anyway, small cottage industries that you sort of got all excited when you found them tucked away somewhere nice and quiet. And we don't have that anymore, you know. We don't have that excitement in that kind of arena. What we do is we, you know, research on the internet and we come across the products like I've just discussed. And I get all excited when I see these new products. I get all excited when I see independent brands making kayaking gear or rescue gear and I, oh, that's quite innovative you know the wetman equipment for example or the ape gear and like, that's really innovative i like that i like that and when i see somebody using it on the river it shows me that they've got independent thought and they're not just buying product because the friend says it's good necessarily or they've seen an insta uh, seen it on instagram or they've seen a youtube clip they've done a little bit of research and they've sort of seen what works for them and I really like that. Hmm. I'm going to go wash some plates up now, I think. Thank you very much for listening. I know I've just rattled on a little bit, but it's about magic and wonder and how, you know, Victorian, you know, exhibition centres get used for promoting outdoor adventure, which is a weird thing to me. And how I miss that sort of stuff and how everything's gone online now. Even Canoe Focus is gone online to much an extent you know paddle magazines and easy now so you know we're losing a lot of that innocence i think but that's not necessarily a bad thing anyway thank you so much for listening i hope you are staying safe in covid times like i say i've had my job now and i'm probably going to get followed by bill gates and his 5g bots
so that maybe the next podcast I do, I'll be about, you know, taking over the earth or Martians or something. Anyhow, have a cracking day and uh, sleep well if you're listening to this at night. And if you fall asleep during this podcast, I hope I don't wake you up. Anyway, have a good one.